Section 19 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 3. Chapter 8, The Hughes-Rebozo Investigation and Related Matters, Part 12. IRS Audit of Larry O'Brien It was during the course of the IRS investigation of the Hughes Tool Company that special agents of the IRS, in a sensitive case report, stated that their investigation had disclosed that the Hughes Tool Company made substantial payments to Lawrence F. O'Brien and Associates during 1970. This same sensitive case report also referred to possible improprieties by Rebozo, Don Nixon, John Meyer, and others. Because some of the names mentioned were politically prominent, this information was summarized in a sensitive case report brought to the Secretary of Treasury's attention. Roger Barth, who was assistant to the Commissioner of the IRS, testified that in May 1972, he received a sensitive case report which arose out of the Hughes Tool Company investigation. Now, when I received this report, I, of course, went through the normal procedure of taking it to Secretary Schultz, and either he or I transmitted a copy of the sensitive case report of the Hughes Project to John Ehrlichman at the White House, because of the fact that there were allegations or representations in the report of possible wrongdoing by Mr. Rebozo and Mr. Nixon, the President's brother or brothers. Sometime thereafter, not very long thereafter, I was either called on the phone or went over, I can't remember which, to Mr. Ehrlichman's office, and I think I went over there as a matter of fact, and he asked that he be kept advised of the development of this Hughes project as it related to Mr. Rebozo and the Nixon brother or brothers. And in the conversation about that, he raised the question of whether, you know, what would be the tax treatment or the implication of the payments to Larry O'Brien. If this were a political contribution by the Hughes Tool Company, it could conceivably be a violation of the Corrupt Practices Act, and if it were deducted by the corporation, it could be a violation of the tax laws. On the other hand, if it were compensation for consulting services for Mr. O'Brien or his firm, then he raised the question of would this be reported by Mr. O'Brien. I thought this was a reasonable question that he asked, and I told him I would check it out, but I did not want to make any contact with our field personnel through normal channels, because I did not want to give the impression I was, on behalf of the Commissioner, trying to instigate any audit of Mr. O'Brien. So what I did was go to the Assistant Commissioner of Inspection, Frank Jebel, and asked for Lawrence O'Brien's tax returns. I asked that they get them in a way that the agents working on the case in the field wouldn't know that I requested them. And they did this, and what I did, I just looked at the tax returns of Mr. O'Brien and his consulting firm, and made sure that there was enough gross income reported for those years to cover the amount reported. Ehrlichman has testified that he received sensitive case reports beginning in 1969, when he was counsel to the President, 
and continuing throughout his tenure at the White House. Ehrlichman stated that the President and the Secretary of the Treasury had worked out the arrangement whereby sensitive case reports would be transmitted to the White House through Ehrlichman. Johnny Walters, who was Commissioner of the IRS from August 1971 through May 1973, has testified that it would be quite proper for the Secretary of the Treasury to alert the White House to sensitive case reports. Walters, however, has also testified that he had no knowledge that Barth was providing copies of sensitive case reports to Ehrlichman. Walters stated that it would have been out of the routine and I would worry about that. Ehrlichman testified that he received the sensitive case report from Barth, and that after receiving it, called Schultz to find out what the status of the O'Brien audit was. Schultz at this time had only been Secretary of the Treasury for a few weeks, and was not even aware that O'Brien was being audited. Schultz told Ehrlichman he would get this information and report back to him. After his conversation with Ehrlichman, Schultz called Walters to get the status of the O'Brien audit. Walters has testified that Secretary Schultz stated to me that the White House had information that indicated that Mr. O'Brien may have received large amounts of income which possibly might not have been reported properly. The Secretary asked me if I could check, and I said I would check. I then asked the Assistant Commissioner of Compliance, Mr. Hanlon, if he would determine whether Mr. O'Brien had filed returns and the status of those returns. A few days later, Mr. Hanlon reported orally to me that IRS had checked, that Mr. O'Brien had filed returns, that those returns reflected large amounts of income, that the returns had been examined, that a small, relatively small deficiency was indicated in one which Mr. O'Brien had paid, and that the audit and examinations were closed. Now I reported this to the Secretary at some point, and told him just that, which meant that there was nothing else, that IRS has performed its function and responsibility. Some time later, the Secretary indicated that that had not completely satisfied Mr. Ehrlichman, and wasn't there anything else that could and should be done. And of course, by this time, IRS had already concluded that it should interview Mr. O'Brien in connection with these payments from Hughes. I told the Secretary that we could interview Mr. O'Brien, and just be sure that the amounts reflected in the return covered the particular amounts from the Hughes organization. Walters has stated that at a later date, Schultz confirmed to him that it was Ehrlichman who told Schultz about the money O'Brien received from Hughes. Walters testified that in late 1971 or early 1972, the top management team of IRS discussed the approaching 1972 presidential elections. The IRS deliberately concluded that anything that was politically sensitive should be postponed until after the election. Walters said they did not want to be involved in politics on either side, and so wherever possible, politically sensitive interviews were to be postponed until after the election. Because of this policy, the IRS did not interview Rebozo or Don Nixon until six months after the election. 
the irs however did succumb to pressures from the administration and interviewed o'brien before the nineteen seventy two election walters further testified with that policy in mind it's obvious that any interview of larry o'brien would have been postponed until after the election so i think the irs would not have conducted that interview until after the election had it not been for the generation of pressure from the white house ehrlichman in the meantime both barth and schultz had kept ehrlichman apprised of the status of o'brien's audit schultz stated that there had been an unspoken feeling that the irs tended to be rather easy on democrats while they were particularly hard on republicans ehrlichman had especially expressed these kinds of feelings to schultz it was schultz's objective therefore to be sure that a proper audit was conducted on o'brien from time to time schultz called the irs to see how the proceedings were going and he would then call ehrlichman to report on the status of the o'brien audit barth has testified that he advised ehrlichman that after barth checked o'brien's tax returns there appeared to be enough gross income to cover the amounts that hughes reported he had paid to o'brien according to barth this was the first and only time that he had ever obtained an individual's tax returns to verify information he had obtained through a sensitive case report barth testified that ehrlichman knew he was going to obtain o'brien's tax returns and in fact encouraged him to do so ehrlichman testified that there were good political reasons to go after o'brien since o'brien was the head of the democratic party after ehrlichman saw o'brien's name in the sensitive case report he said he brought this information to president nixon's attention the president was quite interested in the audit of o'brien and was especially interested in the fact that o'brien was on retainer to the hughes organization according to ehrlichman ehrlichman however did not recall if the president made any specific requests for ehrlichman to follow up on this matter haldeman has testified that the information coming from the hughes tax audit concerning larry o'brien may have revived the white house interest in o'brien haldeman further stated that from the administration's perspective larry o'brien was the only effective democratic politician in the country and therefore there was some interest in attacking o'brien to lessen his effectiveness from a political standpoint ehrlichman has testified that haldeman filled in many of the informational gaps that were left from the sensitive case report concerning o'brien for example ehrlichman learned from haldeman that the amount of the retainer o'brien was receiving from hughes was quite significant and recalls that both were impressed by the possibility of embarrassing o'brien because of a possible overlap of his retainer with hughes and his tenure as chairman of the democratic national committee on august seventeenth nineteen seventy two larry o'brien was interviewed by the irs a written report of this interview was sent to walters who in turn transmitted the report to secretary schultz by this time walters felt that the irs's interest in o'brien should be concluded because the taxpayer had filed his returns reported his income and paid his taxes walters said he had insisted to schultz that the irs had conducted an audit and that the case was closed walters added that it appeared that schultz was being pressed 
On August 29, 1972, Schultz told Walters that he wanted to meet with both Walters and Barth to discuss the O'Brien audit. Walters testified that both he and Schultz thought they were being backdoored in some fashion, and that in this situation it would be advisable for Barth to be apprised of the specifics concerning the O'Brien matter. During this meeting with Schultz and Barth, Walters explained to Barth that information had come to the IRS from the White House concerning large amounts of money O'Brien made that were possibly not reported. Walters further explained to Barth that the IRS had checked O'Brien's return and that it appeared that everything was proper and the examination was closed. Barth testified that he said that he had read the report on the matter and he felt it was a thorough job. Schultz then called Ehrlichman to give him a final report on the O'Brien audit. Both Walters and Barth were on telephone extensions during this joint telephone call. Schultz and Walters reported to Ehrlichman that the audit report on O'Brien was completed and that everything was in order. Ehrlichman asked Barth if he had read the report and if everything appropriate had been done on this audit. Barth testified he told Ehrlichman that it looked like an appropriate audit and there was nothing worth pursuing any further. Barth recalls that Ehrlichman seemed to take his word for it and that the only reason Ehrlichman seemed to have was that he was annoyed that it had taken so long for this report to be prepared. Walters testified that toward the end of the conversation, Ehrlichman expressed very strong feelings to Walters concerning the manner in which the O'Brien audit was conducted. Walters testified that as this conversation became more offensive to him personally, he hung up his extension. Schultz recalls that during this conversation, Ehrlichman told Walters that Walters would not go after prominent Democrats even if the facts were there. According to Schultz, this was the only challenge to the thoroughness of the O'Brien audit that he could recall. Ehrlichman stated that the purpose of this joint telephone call was to report to him that the audit on O'Brien had been completed and that it had disclosed no improprieties or delinquencies. Ehrlichman testified that, My concern was throughout that the IRS down in the woodwork was delaying the audit until after the election, and that seemed to be the case, that there was a stall on. Ehrlichman also testified that I wanted them to turn up something and send O'Brien to jail before the election, and unfortunately it didn't materialize. During this joint telephone conversation, Ehrlichman said he had his first opportunity to articulate to Walters what his opinion was concerning the job Walters did on the O'Brien audit. It was my first crack at Walters, George wouldn't let me at him. George wanted to stand between me and his commissioner, and this was the first time I had a chance to tell the commissioner what a crappy job he had done. Ehrlichman did accept the commissioner's view that the O'Brien audit was closed. He says he did not suggest that they reopen the audit on O'Brien at any time, because as far as he was concerned, the matter was closed. Barth, however, has testified that shortly after the August 29, 1972 joint telephone conversation with Ehrlichman, Ehrlichman called him a few hours later. Barth recalls that Ehrlichman just wanted to check to make sure that Barth honestly felt that the IRS audit of O'Brien was conducted properly. 
Barth told Ehrlichman that he was satisfied with the audit, and according to Barth, Ehrlichman thanked him for his judgment on the matter, and that was the end of the conversation. On September 15, 1972, however, John Dean and H. R. Haldeman met with President Nixon, and according to evidence received by the committee, discussed the IRS investigation of Larry O'Brien. The details of this discussion, however, were not provided to the committee by the White House. In addition, this particular conversation was deleted from the White House tapes provided to the Special Prosecutor and the House Judiciary Committee, as well as from the transcripts released to the public. End of Section 19 Recording by Maria Casper